Good morning, everyone. I don't believe that God does anything by accident. I don't believe God does anything by mistake. I don't believe that God is out of control or ignorant of what's going on in our lives or in the world. But I believe that God is sovereign. I believe that he is working out everything that we can see and everything that we can't see according to his plan. I don't understand everything that I can see. I don't fathom all that men do. But this one thing I know is true. He is on his throne. And his throne is established forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You see, not only is he on his throne, but his throne is above every other throne. And his name is above every other name. And his power is greater than any other power. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth, the word of God says. There is no one and there is nothing outside of his control. He's not worried about the general election. He's not planning a coalition with the forces of darkness. He's not troubled by ISIS. He wasn't concerned last week when Vladimir Putin disappeared for 11 days. No, the word of God says the one who sits in heaven laughs. His word to this world is, I have set my king on my holy hill in Zion. I don't believe God is anything by mistake. I don't believe he does anything out of control. And I believe this morning he wants to remind us of this because he is a God with a great and magnificent purpose that has never changed and will never change. The Lord has spoken to us already this morning. That he is an unstoppable God. With an unstoppable purpose. He's told us that he is the God who will complete what he begins. That's what God said. God said to us this morning that he is going to bless us so that we may be a blessing to other people. That he is not only going to work in us, but work through us. God said that to us. He said to us that not only is he going to continue working in us, but that working in us will increase and increase and increase and increase and increase. For the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. If you were with us last Sunday, Tim Jones shared very powerfully with us on the victory of the kingdom of heaven. It is a kingdom that will never end. It is a rule that will never ever be thwarted. It is a power that will never ever ever be defeated. For the king of the kingdom of heaven is Jesus Christ. And his name is the name above every other name. 
At his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he and he alone is Lord. Now to him and him alone be glory in the church forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. God is in control. God is in control. God is on his throne. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ezra this morning, please? The book of Ezra. We've been reading as a church this week the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. They tell the story of the exiles of Judah being sent back to Jerusalem from Babylon to rebuild first the house of God and then rebuild the walls of the city. God is in control. God is on his throne. God is working out everything according to his purpose and plan. And that includes every major event in history and every individual aspect of your life. A few months ago, maybe the beginning of the year, January time, it was a beautiful, bright, sunny day. And I was looking out the window into our garden. And as I looked out, there were a few clouds in the sky, but by and large, it was one of those beautiful, bright, sunny winter's days that tell you that eventually spring is coming. You, you know the days when you think you step outside and think, oh, I should have put a coat on. It's still winter. And as I was looking out, the, in the foreground was a tree. Looking at, um, and the tree had no fruit on it at all. And as I was looking at the tree, the Holy Spirit said to me, what do you see? And I thought for a moment, I could either say, well, I see the tree and I see that winter is still here. Or I could say, well, I see beyond and I see that spring is coming. So I thought for a moment, because you want to get the answers right when God asks you a question, don't you? Usually the answer is Jesus. So I said to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I can see that spring is coming. And immediately he said to me, and how do you see the church? And I looked back at the tree and the sky for a moment and I knew what he wanted me to say. But I knew that when I said it, I had to believe it. So I sat for a moment and thought for a moment and looked out. And in my mind, I thought I could think of all the immediate, temporary things that sometimes filter my sight. All the little niggles, all the challenges. I could look at those. Or I could look beyond and see, just as spring is coming, there is someone who is coming again. And he's coming for a perfect bride. So after sitting there for a while, I said to the Lord, I see that you are coming. And immediately I knew his presence, that I got the answer right. You see, the Lord is coming again. The Lord is coming in. I'll tell you another story. My daughter at the moment is on a countdown. It is the first time tomorrow that she's having a friend from school coming over for tea. She's four years old and she's having her first friend over for for tea. And every day we're on the countdown. Five more sleeps. 
Four more sleeps, three more sleeps. And this morning I went in to um, get her up and she's not a morning person. Not a morning person. But she bounced out of bed, leapt up and said, Daddy, it's one more sleep. One more sleep. And I thought, here's this little girl who is so excited that her friend is coming. She's making all the preparations she can that her friend is coming. But she is so excited that her friend is coming to her house. And I thought, Lord, may I be ready for your coming. But may I be excited for your coming as well. You see, the excitement of the fact that Jesus is coming is the fact that it's Jesus who's coming. I don't know about you, but the more I walk with him, the more I love him. The more he and he alone is sufficient excitement for me to get up in the morning. It's him. He is the value in the kingdom. The kingdom of God would mean nothing if he wasn't its king. The church of Jesus Christ would be nothing if he wasn't its head. But it's him. And God wants us to be a people, not only extending his rule and his reign, but seeking first his kingdom at all times. Do you know the amazing thing is this? We can hasten his coming by how we live. So let's look at the people who played their part so that we can play our part too. Ezra chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 1. I'm excited that Jesus is alive and I'm excited that he's coming again. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The Lord put it into the mind of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and to put it in writing. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Whoever is among his people, may his God be with him and may he go to Jerusalem in Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. Let every survivor, wherever he lives, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods and livestock, along with a freewill offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. So the family leaders of Judah and Benjamin, along with the priests and Levites, everyone God had motivated, prepared to go up and rebuild the Lord's house in Jerusalem. All their neighbors supported them with silver articles, gold, goods, livestock and valuables, in addition to all that was given as a freewill offering. You know, everything God wants to do in this world begins in his heart. Everything God wants to achieve and accomplish begins with him. And he sends forth his word. He sends forth his word so that we may know beforehand what he's going to do. But he is the God, as he told us this morning, who always completes what he begins. Always. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and last. It's not that he has the first and that he has the last, or that he owns the Alpha and possesses the Omega. It is that he himself is the beginning and the end. 
He has to finish what he begins because that's how he is. Just as he is good, just as he is kind, just as he is loving and just, he has to finish that which he starts. And the wonderful thing about God is that he is not prepared to allow his word to return to him void. So we see in this story, in the pages of history, God takes hold of a man, a king who doesn't know him, and he works into his heart. He works a command into his heart so that the house of God may be built. In other words, God sends forth his word. God promises to complete his word, and God actively works in this world to achieve his word. At no point does he leave his word alone. At no point does he forget his word. At no point does he ever, ever, ever abandon his promises. For he is faithful. And even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Just think for a moment of the grand, awesome, fantastic things that God has promised. That he's going to fill the whole earth. With the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. That he's going to remain in heaven until the restoration of all things that he has spoken through the mouth of his prophets. That he is going to have for himself a people out of every language and tribe and nation who represent him to this world. And he will come for that pure spotless bride without a shadow of a doubt. He's promised that the gospel of the kingdom will go to the ends of the earth. He's commanded us that we would make disciples of all nations. And none of these promises can fail, for God himself is behind his word. But think for a moment too, about you and your life and the promises he's made you. And he's made your family and he's made to your children. He's able to perform those as well. Because he's just the same. He doesn't treat big promises differently from small promises. Because God doesn't think that way. He just makes promises. And he keeps them. So as you sit here this morning and you think, the Lord's promised me that my loved one will be saved. The Lord's promised me that my child will be healed. The Lord's promised me that I will have a spouse. The Lord's promised me that I'll have a home. The Lord's promised me he's going to take me to this nation and this place. Just as God has promised, he is able to perform. It's so easy, isn't it? He is faithful. And he cannot deny himself. But these people had to do something. They had to make preparations because God was going to take them from Babylon to Jerusalem. He was going to take them on a journey and they needed things on their journey. So they had to make preparation. And God has been speaking to us this year about the need for making preparation. He's told us that these are days of preparation. These are days where we have to be prepared for challenges we're going to face economically for opposition we're going to face from society and that these are days to make preparation this is why at the beginning of every month we're taking up a special offering in this church because we are storing up finance to be ready in the days to come these are days of preparation 
And you know, when God tells you to prepare, he's telling you that you're going to succeed if you do what he's told you. God is preparing us by calling us to do certain things and put away certain things so that we may be a people ready for his coming. And one of the things that the Lord has spoken to us again and again this year, T brought it to our attention last week if you were here, is that God wants us to clear away stones in our lives. I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 62 now just to explain that. God has called us and told us to clear away stones in our lives. But why? And what's a stone? Well, Isaiah 62 verse 10 says this. Go out, go out through the gates. Prepare a way for the people. Build it up. Build up the highway. Clear away the stones. Raise a banner for the people's. Look, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, look, your salvation is coming. His reward is with him. His recompense is before him. And they will be called the holy people, the Lord's redeemed. And you will be called cared for, a city not deserted. Why does God say clear away the stones? First and foremost, so that we can see him more clearly. So that we can see him more clearly. So that we can see his purpose more clearly. So that we can see his coming more clearly. I was in the meeting last Sunday where if you were here we had 30 minutes of non-stop testimonies. Of all the things that God had been doing in people's lives that week. People came forward and testified that God had saved them. That they'd been baptized in water and been baptized in the Holy Spirit. People came forward and testified that God had healed them. That God had set them free from addiction. People came forward and testified that God had answered prayers. People came forward and testified that Jesus had miraculously provided finance for them. People came forward and testified of restoration and provision and protection. And I know from talking with others in the week that those testimonies barely scratched the surface of all that God was doing among us. And as these testimonies were being brought and as the kingdom was being advanced, I did ask the Lord a question. Knowing he wanted me to share this, I said, Lord, why? Why do we need to clear away the stones when you are doing so much among us? And he said to me, as clear as a bell, because I want to do so much more. I want to do so much more. You know, those of you who keep gardens know the power of pruning, don't you? That if you want anything to keep growing and growing and growing, every now and then you have to do some pruning. But you never prune to harm, do you? You never prune with, with anything other than care in your heart. And God is going to do a little work of pruning in us because there's so much more in us that he wants to do. You know, clearing away the stones, it's not a harsh thing or a hard thing. The image that has come to my mind again and again this week is of a man sweeping pebbles away from a path. And as you clear a path for something to travel along, 
that vehicle can travel all the faster because there's nothing hindering its progress. As we respond to the Holy Spirit's promptings today and clear away certain things from our lives, the acceleration of God's purpose in us, his increase will happen all the quicker. There is, in these days, an acceleration of his purpose because we're closer than ever to his glorious return. You see, Jesus is returning for a house that has been built and finished because he gets no glory from unfinished projects. But he who began a good work in you will complete it. So I'm going to share with you three stones. They're very simple. They're very obvious. They won't apply to all of us. They might not apply to any of you. But we're going to brush these away this morning with the word of God. But the first stone that the Holy Spirit has brought to my intention that some of us need to clear away is the stone of past disappointment. The stone of past disappointment. Perhaps I could give you an example from my life. Growing up, I always wanted to share my faith with my friends in school, my friends at university, and I did the best I could. And um, I did all the things that we were encouraged to do. I'd bring them to meetings. I would uh, get them to meet the evangelists when they were in town. I remember one of my friends taking him to meet Tim Jones and Arna Scargan. Okay? And he still didn't get saved. What's wrong with this guy? And I allowed something to slip into my mind that God was never going to use me to see somebody saved. It was a lie. It was a lie. But I allowed it to settle. Do you know why? Because I was disappointed that I'd seen so many of my friends come to meetings, experience the power of God, and yet never make a decision to follow Jesus. But do you know what? That's a lie. Because the word of God says that he has empowered us to be witnesses. So, I've been working to counter the lie. And a few weeks ago, talking with a friend of mine, I said to him, would you like to receive Jesus? And he said, yes, I would. And we led him to Christ. Now, many of you here this morning have memories that are stronger in your life than the word of God. Memories of disappointment. Well, I prayed for this person and they didn't get healed. I was walking along the street with another friend of mine the other day and um, we were just walking along the road in the student area and someone walked past him wearing a cast on his arm and he said, I'm really sorry, I'm going to go and pray for this guy because I'm fine, no problem. So I followed him along. He stopped the guy in the street, laid hands on him. Can we just test the cast? Yeah, no difference. Okay, well, you call me if anything happens and he carried on. He wasn't even, even bothered by the fact that this person didn't get healed. He just carried on along his way, prayed for the next person he, he met and they got healed. Do you know, don't let past disappointments become your present reality. You applied for a job that God told you to apply for and you didn't get it. And now you're afraid of ever going for a promotion. Not anymore. You believe God wanted you to step out in faith and sow some finance and you were afraid. And now you're, every time the tithes and offering come around, you're just wanting to hide away so that no one brings the basket to you. Not anymore. 
You think, I can never play my part. I could never um, pray in a meeting. I could never lead a life group. I could never visit someone who is sick and pray for them and see them healed. Yes, you can. And those lies are going today. God does not want any of you to be ruled by past disappointment. He wants to set you free. Whether it's the removing of a lie, whether it's today that you release forgiveness to someone who hurt you in your past, God is going to set you free today from past disappointment. And the tool he's going to use is his word. So we're in Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 43. And for those of you who have resonated with what I've just said, this verse is for you. Your past disappointments are no guarantee of your future. Your past disappointments are no definition of your present circumstances. You are not defined by your disappointments. God does not look at you based on your failures. He looks at you and sees a trophy of his grace, as T likes to say. Someone that he's purchased and planned to do great things in his kingdom. Isaiah 43 verse 18, this is for anyone here this morning who needs to remove past disappointment. Isaiah 43 18, look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? It's time in life not to look through the lens of failure in the past, but to look with the eye of faith into the future and see it does not matter the mistakes that I have made. It doesn't matter the failures that I've had. It doesn't matter the disappointments that I've endured. My future is greater than my past has been and the glory of the Lord will be manifest through me. None of us in Christ have a future that is worse than our past. Everyone in Christ has a future that is greater than their past. The path of the righteous is like the shining sun that grows brighter and to brighter until full day. So if you need to mark that in your Bibles, mark it right now. If you need to write it in your notebooks, write it now. If you need to change that to your um, password on your phone, 4319 could be your password from now on. Don't tell anyone though because we'll... We'll take your phone and put blessing messages on it. But God does not want anybody here to be ruled or defined by past disappointments. And it's important for you to know too that none of your brothers and sisters in Christ think of you that way either. The spiritual man never values his brother or sister by their past disappointments. Because of course none of us would stand, would we? The second stone that the Holy Spirit wants to remove from some of us this morning is the stone of current events. The stone of current events. Now by this I don't mean what's going on in the news or what's going on on TV. But as I've waited on the Holy Spirit this week, he's been showing me that there are some people who are consumed with their own lives instead of being consumed with his purpose. God commands us To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that we need will be added to us. There was a time in my life where the Lord made it clear to me that I needed to get married. I didn't want to, but he told me that I needed to. And lo and behold, he provided a wife. And the best one I could have ever imagined. 
But you don't need to spend your time, if you're single, worrying and focusing and stressing on will ever God provide you with a husband or a wife. You know, when Adam needed a wife, God simply put him to sleep and woke him up to the reality. Some of you are consumed with yourself. And you are your primary concern. Your happiness, your welfare, your blessing, your comfort. But Jesus says, if anybody wants to follow me, he must take up his cross and deny himself. One man said when Jesus bids a man follow him, he bids him come and die. And we've all had to face that, those of us who follow Jesus. Times when I've looked at situations and circumstances, I remember one day um, do, doing some work in the house and it wasn't going right and just getting really annoyed with myself. And my wife came into the room and said, it's just not about you. It's just not about you. Oh, she was so right. <laughs> But for some of us this morning, it's time to stop living for ourselves and live for Jesus. For others, you're consumed with legitimate things, but they just need to be in the right order. Family, job, they're legitimate. They really are. But the kingdom of God must be first. The way that I am the best father and husband I can be is by seeking first the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so God wants to remove from some today the stone of current events so that he is your first delight and he is your first port of call. So again, we're going to counter that stone with the word Isaiah chapter 17. This is not meant to sound harsh or unkind in any way. But if we can see with the eye of faith what God wants to do in us and through us, then these little things we will gladly let go of. Isaiah 17. I've been spending lots of time with the prophet Isaiah recently. Isaiah 17 verse 7 says this. Isaiah 17 7. On that day, people will look to their maker and will turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. On that day, people will look to their maker and will turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. To those of you who need to remove this stone, all I say to you is this, look to the Lord. Amen. Don't look to yourself and your own strength and abilities. Don't look to your family. Don't look to friends. Don't look to the size of your bank account or the lack of in your bank account just look to the Lord before anything else let him be your first love God is not only the object of our faith he is the object of our affection he's he's so wonderful he's so beautiful he's so glorious and the more we know of him the more we love him don't we The third stone is the stone of future worries. Past disappointments, current events, and future worries. I 
I shared with you some weeks ago when I had the chance to take up the offering that one day I'm going to preach a message called Things My Mother Taught Me. And um, I'll give you another glimpse of that now because one of the things that my mum taught me when I was a little boy is that we shouldn't worry because Jesus told us not to. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Well, that kind of takes the option away, doesn't it, really? (laughs) And if Jesus said, put your hand in the fire once a day, that's what you do. But thankfully, he didn't say that. But he did say, don't worry. Worry never adds to your faith. Worry never builds you up in Christ. Worry never advances the kingdom. Worry never causes the word of God to be more deeply embedded in you. The Holy Spirit has no gift of worry. Worry never, ever, 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 ever comes from God. Never, never, ever, ever. If you're sitting worrying about something today, thinking, is this from God? No. God does not cause you to worry. The Greek word for worry comes from a word that means to seek one's own desire or to promote oneself. When you worry, you're focusing on a situation without the aid of God's help. When you are worrying, you are focusing on a situation without the aid of God's help. How am I going to do this? How am I going to fix this? What happens if this goes wrong? And then this goes wrong. And then they say this. And then, and all of a sudden, you've made a mountain out of a molehill. But the cure to that is meditating on the word of God. So let's look, at a, let's look at a scripture, Isaiah 14. Some of you here today are worried about your future, your own personal future. Some here are worried of dying prematurely. Some people are here and they're worried of dying alone. Other people are worried that <clears throat> the things that God has promised them won't come to pass. Others are worried about the future of this world, saying, well, if we're going to face economic pressures and challenges from society, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is you're going to gloriously overcome. Do you know why? God is shaking things in this world so the church emerges as the most significant people in the world. Isaiah chapter 2 says that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be chief among the mountains and the nations will stream to it to learn the ways of God. Don't be afraid of the shakings of the world. Just know in your heart God is raising up the church to more represent Christ to his world. These are exciting days. That's why I want to, if there's anything in my life of these, I just want to brush it away because I want to be ready for his, for there to be a highway in my life that just zooms along at his purpose. Isaiah 14 verse 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn. Okay, that's a covenant word. He has promised on an oath. The Lord of hosts has sworn. As I have planned, so it will be. As I have purposed it, so it will happen. Go down to verse 26. This is the plan prepared for the whole earth. And this is the hand stretched out against all the nations. The Lord of hosts himself has planned it. Therefore, who can stand in his way? Do you know, you do not need to be worried about the future because the Lord has it in hand. You can trust him. Whatever he's planned for us, whatever he's planned for you, whatever he has planned for this world, It is all in his hand. Every moment we spend worrying is a moment we cannot spend in faith. 
Every moment we spend in worrying is a moment we cannot spend in the spirit. Every moment we spend worrying is a moment we can't spend worshipping. Every moment we spend worrying is a moment we cannot spend in prayer. Every moment we spend worrying is a moment taking. So therefore it can't be a moment when you're giving. That's why the Lord wants to brush it away this morning. So that we can be those who are living in the spirit all the time. Moving in faith all the time. Giving and giving and giving and giving. Knowing that the one within us is a source that never runs dry. Now clearing away these little stones from your life will lead to fresh vision and hope. You see the Lord is coming again. Lord is coming again for a people. And he wants to see, he wants us to see that as clearly as possible today without a shadow of a doubt. And he wants us to, to be a people who have hope on our lips. So turn with me just as we come to a close to Hebrews chapter 10. Hope in the Bible is an absolute certainty. It's the confident, unswerving expectation of good. That what we expect to happen will happen. The word of God says that Christ lives in you and he is the hope of glory. That's an absolute certainty that we will share in his glory forever and ever and ever. Hope is not a wish that we have that we'd like to come about. In the scriptures it is an absolute confidence in the future that we know what God has promised will come to pass. How can you be so confident, James, that Jesus is coming again? Because he says in his word. How can you be so confident that he's going to have a church like the one you've described? Because he says so in his word. How many of you remember, um, I'm speaking mostly to people who grew up in the UK now, the television show Catchphrase? Yeah, with Roy Walker and Mr. Chips. Yeah, Saturday night, ITV. And uh, do you remember what Roy Walker's catchphrase was? Say what you see. Say what you see. Oh, it's close, but it's not right, was the other one. But we won't have that one this morning. That doesn't work for my theology. (laughs) Say what you see. I know what you've seen by what you say. So I know, if we go back to the, the illustration I brought you before, I know whether you're looking at the blue sky of the future or the tree of the present, by what you say. I know what you think about God, by what you say about him. I know what you think of this church, by what you say about us. And God wants us to be a people who are constantly confessing our hope. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Turn with me to that, please. Some of the things I've said to you this morning, you th- that there, there are, none of these stones are in my life. Then God says to you today, then keep confessing your hope because it will come to pass. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. I'm not holding on to that confession of hope because I feel like it or because I'm a positive kind of guy or because I like talking out loud. No, I'm holding on to the confession of my hope because the one who made the promise is faithful. Just think about it. What he promised you personally. Salvation for family. Healing for bodies. 
provision and protection all the days of your life. That through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That has nothing to do with you. It's all to do with him. He's able to perform it because he is able to perform it. Not because I'm able to do it. All he's promised us concerning his eternal purpose and plan. That he'd fill the earth with his glory. That he'd have a church ready for his coming. All these things are possible because he has promised and he is faithful. Turn to the person next to you now and just say, he is faithful. But I'm aware that this morning that there are some of us who need the opportunity to make fresh confession of our hope. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. This is not going to be a time of um, uh, lots of prayer, or it may well be some time of prayer. But we want to give opportunity now for people to be able to confess their hope and to receive agreement from people who have the same hope. So if you hear this morning, and as I've shared the word, you know the Holy Spirit is brushing away this morning that...